Bags down, spikes on. Welcome to the track. Hi, my name is Colin Waitsman. Going to be your host for this episode of Track World News presented by the Harrier. And today we have a very special guest on two-time Olympian, Olympic bronze medalist in the men's 800 meters, uh, Clayton Murphy. Clayton, thanks for, for joining us today. Really appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me on. I'm glad when you when you sent me the little DM on Instagram, I'm glad we finally got to connect now. For sure, for sure. I'm definitely uh, excited for this one. Um, so I actually want to take us back to the first time we met, and I guarantee you, you don't remember it because it was it was a very insignificant time for you. But uh, going back to uh, Akron, Ohio, I believe it was when you broke the four minute mar- barrier in a mar- like the in the mile, like at uh, it was some it was some historic like time you were going for. And my okay. school was competing there, very small Mount St. Mary's University. Um, and so we're, we're there. And one of my friends was in your race. And I remember before the race, he's like, Oh God, like I got to go against this, this Clayton Murphy guy. I was like, all right. Yeah. Clayton Murphy. Cool. No idea who you were at the time. It's like, all right, no problem. And then you like broke like, so like four minutes or something like that in the indoor mile. And then like, I was just, I was standing like right on the like right where one of the fences was like right at the end, like right where you f- finished the, uh, you know, the race. I was yeah. like, Oh God. And then you looked over, gave me a wink. And I was like, there you go. That was a badass. Right <laughs> so um, nice to finally reconnect after what was that three or four years ago? <laughs> yeah. It's quite a few years ago. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. For sure. So um, before we get into some of the track stuff, I have some questions, uh, you know, some non-track and field things. So, Obviously, you're an Ohio guy, uh, Cincinnati, Cincinnati, uh, Cincinnati sports fan. And so want to ask you a question about a tweet that you put out on. What was this? November 30th of 2019. Okay. You said at the Bengals, please draft Justin Fields. So you got since then. Now you have Joey Burrow. And I want to know. Do you still stand by the idea that you wish you had fields over Burrow now as we're going into the, the NFL season just uh, a few days away at this point? Yeah, I mean, I think if I look back on it, that was when fields was really coming to at Ohio State. Obviously, I was watching a lot more Ohio State games and LSU games. Um, and then obviously Joe Burrow had what he had of that national championship run, the national championship game when he was at LSU. Um I think Justin Fields is going to be a great quarterback for Chicago. Unfortunately, he's in Chicago. So it's yeah. like, um, it's tough for him. But I think he's going to be uh, a pretty good quarterback, actually playing behind what my old guy, Andy Dalton, now uh, in Chicago. Uh, I think Joe Burrow is the play. I hope Joe Burrow can stay healthy. I mean, it's unfortunate. Um, it's a very Bengals thing for, for you to, to draft a quarterback. And then all of a sudden, uh, very early in the season, he blows out his knee due to was maybe considered the worst offensive line. Um, but uh, I think I'm more frustrated in the draft. I'm not a big, I wasn't set on Jamar Chase throughout the pick. I would rather have went with uh, the lineman option. Um, I think the, the, but who knows, it's a long season and uh, hopefully I'm completely wrong and Jamar Chase is great and the offensive line has been improved, but we'll see. We open up against the Vikings here and uh, we'll see what happens. Any predictions for week one? What do you, what do you think is going to happen? I think it's tough because, like, you haven't seen, you know, full roster Bengals in preseason. Obviously, they've been protecting Joe Burrow. Jamar Chase had a struggling third preseason game. Um, 
obviously the Vikings, no one's really played a full preseason game, it seems like. So I think it'll be uh, interesting in uh, who knows? I think it's going to be close. I'm not saying the Bengals are going to win. I just think it's going to be close. And then I, I'd start putting stake into like week three or four. If I haven't seen, haven't seen something serious, then I'm, I'm going to be pretty frustrated. There we go. So we got a little bit of time before we got to jump off the ship that, or, or call There's for no jumping fire. off the ship. There, it's just, it's just, uh, I, I'm on the fence with Zach Taylor. I'm not sold on Zach Taylor. Um, I was, I thought that's where you're going with the tweet. I thought it was a Zach Taylor tweet. Cause I was on the fire Zach Taylor train. Um, I probably would have went for his head again had we not beat the Steelers last year, uh, last year on Monday night with Brandon Allen uh, at quarterback on Monday night. That was one of the best Bengals moments of my life, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> that minute win on a Monday night football to like try to keep them out of the playoffs was, was a special night. There we go. Hopefully we'll have some more meaningful and, and good football coming up. Hopefully it'll be – That's hope. So I'll have to see. Um, then uh, wanted to get – this is kind of related to track, kind of not, but after your 2016 Olympic uh, bronze medal, actually were able to, to throw, I believe, first pitch at a Cincinnati Reds game and take uh, a photo with one of the greatest American sports athletes of all time yep. in Joey Jaws Chestnut. Want to know what it was like, see, like you know, meeting the you know the best hot dog eater of all time. Some would say the goat in American sports, uh, you know, and then obviously being able to throw out a, a first pitch there as well. It must be a pretty cool experience. Yeah, after 2016, I was able to throw out the first pitch at the Indians um, game. I was able to throw out the first pitch at the Akron Arbor Ducks uh, minor league team, um, and they all have really cool stories with them. Um, I was like questioned by a season ticket holder at the Rubber Ducks game as to why I got to throw out the first pitch like last instead of like the season ticket holders, like why I got like, who I was. Then they did the big intro video and he came up to me after and he apologized. Uh, <laughs> the Indians game was dope because it was like one of the like huge like playoff games, like going into the playoffs. So it was like the stadium was packed. Like that was nerve wracking. Uh, but the, the Reds game was weird because they rain delayed it. So we threw out the first pitch, then they rain delayed the game and then we went back and watched the game. So there wasn't a whole lot of people there. I remember standing underneath in like the little like congregating area where we're like waiting to go down. And uh, I was with somebody and I was like, I think that's Joey Chestnut. And they're like, who? <laughs> I'm like, Joey Chestnut. Like, how do you not know who Joey Chestnut is? And they're like, who are you talking about? I'm like the hot dog dude. And they're like, that's the hot dog dude. Like they, we had like, they were, he's just a casual dude. And I like, then I realized like, I'm like, that's who it is. And so I was like, this is like, cool. Like, I don't think anybody around me is like really understanding like I'm honored to be meeting him like at the time. So I was like pumped. That was really cool. That was the one place that gave me like a custom, like authentic Jersey with like my name on it and my number, whatever number I wanted to put on the back. So that was really cool. So that, that Reds one was special. Cause obviously I grew up as a Reds fan. I don't watch baseball anymore. I've like gone away from baseball. So I'm not like, I still follow the Reds, but haven't watched an MLB game in years. It seems like, but that was cool to like, kind of go back to where I grew up watching baseball as a kid and get a custom Jersey and meet Joey Chestnut. That's awesome. That's awesome. Do you still have the the jersey somewhere uh, oh, in your yeah. closet? I've got the uh, the rubber ducks gave me a jersey and the and the uh, Reds gave me a jersey. So those two sit in. The rubber ducks jersey has been worn out to go out the bars for sure because like a bright orange jersey, and then it's like got the rubber ducks logo with like a rubber duck on it. So a lot of people love that one. That's a pretty good one. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, you have to you have to wear rock that wherever you go. So yeah. makes sense. Makes sense. Um, and so obviously. You know, that that's coming off of what was, you know, a pretty historic and, and awesome race for for you with the 
the 800 winning a, winning a bronze medal. Um, could you kind of take us back to that time? Um, I guess we'll first start at the, the Olympic trials where you were able to compete and, you know, make your, your first Olympic team. Um, what were the emotions of, of all that going through and, you know, being like, oh crap, like I've actually been able to reach this very elite uh, club that not many people in our sport are able to do, um, you know, for the first time there. I think to be honest, like it didn't really sit in until what, like what I achieved in 2016 until like this year, until I achieved it again in a different realm. I think in 2016 and even through, I was very like, I don't know what to say. Like, I just like kind of all went, there's so many emotions and it's such a roller coaster and it's so fast happening. Like you, like it looks like time on the calendar, but by the time you like get to the Olympic trials, the time you finish at Tokyo or at the Olympic games, it seems like it was like a week part. It's so fast moving from the time that you show up to Olympic trials, you qualify, you get your kit, you get your flight booked to wherever you're going, you compete and you fly home and you're like, holy cow, it's over. But I had like the, like obviously succeeding in Tokyo and having the medal, I came home and the roller coaster continued. So like, I never really like slowed down. And by the time I slowed down, I was in 2017 season. And then 2017 season happened. I doubled at USA's and then I moved to Portland after that. Like there was no time to slow down until now when I like, made my second team and look back on like what I achieved as you know that what 21 year old kid like for me it was like it was such a special moment like those pictures of crossing in front of like historic Hayward Field the last time we trials at Hayward winning one of the most historic middle distance events that like is huge at Hayward and then Eugene and then to come back this year and like win again I think it made the first one so much more special now that I've done it again because it makes me feel I can like appreciate what I did in 2016 a lot more now because I realized how hard it was if that makes sense yeah it's something like oh wow what I, what I did was was very very it was very impressive and you know because yeah it's hard to see you know what's going on as you're in the moment and then when you have time to reflect it can make it you know you see the the magnitude of what it was like I mean and then just like that you're going from being like you said a college kid and, and racing against you know other college guys to you know, then racing against people. Well, unfortunately not, I, I'd love to say you see on TV, but this is track. You don't really see anyone on TV, but uh, you know, what was it like then, you know, competing against some of the biggest names in the sport that, that you had seen, um, you know, going into it from, you know, racing against, you know, other schools in, in college to, you know, people repping their, their nation there. Yeah. I, I, the trials was like the first instance where I really noticed everybody and was obviously like my first like real experience of it on the U S scale. And then went to Houston and ran American track league meet against Matthew Sinchowitz in like a dual thousand meters. That was like, okay, I'm racing against like my idol in middle distance, you know? Cause like, I didn't have idols growing up cause I didn't look at like the highest level, but I started looking at the highest level, like a couple years before 2016, when I got to college and Matthew was like the dude to watch. So for me, it was like, I'm racing Matthew Sinchowitz. Like, this is insane. Like I'm racing him at a thousand meters. Like this is perfect. Like we're coming together to meet at like the perfect distance to race each other. So that was like the first taste of it. And then to get to Tokyo or get to Rio. And I remember David Rudisha, his, his agent and my agent were close or are close. And I remember David talking to my agent saying that I was the smart young American. And I remember like, I'll never forget like his reference of me of like the smart young American and how like he respected me as that. And I was like, this is like insane. Like David Rudisha knows who I am. Like I'm not a nobody, like. And so I got David in all three rounds, which was kind of cool. Um, I mean, to get the world record holder, the, the reigning gold medalist in your heat or in your heat, your semi and the, obviously in the final was, was kind of cool. 
uh and then even in 2019 he was at the worlds and came up to us and like wished us good luck in the world variant and stuff like that so that was like really cool to start my first major world competition with the best ever to do the, the event mm-hmm. yeah to be to be with the person that you know like you mentioned the, the world record holder especially all three times so you're 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 witnessing you know some pretty you know pretty expert races you know the entire time has to be has to be pretty amazing um, I mean, like to take you to that, that final of the, the 800 in 2016, have you, I'm assuming you, by now you've watched the race, uh, could, have you looked at it and been like, oh yeah, obviously great. Fantastic. Won the bronze. But, uh, if I did this, maybe I could have done a little better or like what, what kind of breakdowns do you have? Cause I feel, you know, every athlete you're, you're great. You love what you, what you have, but you're everyone. You always look for more. I mean, that's, I guess the point of being, you know, a professional athlete, I'm sure, you know, the competitive edge, like, so what, when you look back at your, uh, your race from then, what, what type of stuff do you, you think about, um, you know, when you look back, I think about like three things, I think, I think one, I remember just how fast the race was over 200. And I remember getting the 200 and shutting off my brain and being like, Hey, this is incredibly fast. We're going to be faster 400. It doesn't matter. Just go with it um at 400 i got pushed out and i remember that very vividly like getting kind of pushed out my stride tripped up i remember that kind of like breaking everything um at 400 when you're nice you're not in a nice rhythm at that point the last thing you want to do is like you know change up anything or get clipped up so i remember that you can kind of see it on the video i get pushed out then the only thing i wish i would have really done different that i had control over was i wish i just would have went like 50 meters earlier um i think it was at that point like it's so hard to trust yourself because the last thing you want to do or one of my things is like, I I'm so afraid of like coming up short at the finish line. Like it's such this hard feeling of like, do I have enough to get to the finish line? Like, I don't want to like hit hundred, like 790 meters. And then all of a sudden, like, this is it. Like my legs don't go any further. Like that's my biggest fear. Um, so I always like have to fight that in the race. And so I'm sometimes like late on it. And sometimes I full commit to it. Like trials this year, I full commit to it like early and went with it. Wasn't afraid. Um, but I remember in that race, I was like, do I have the legs to get there? And I just decided like 200 to go. I wish I just would have went like earlier and potentially would have like fought for a silver. But um, it's kind of like you said, like to run 142.9 and bronze medal in my first ever major international competition, major ever world professional meeting, whatever you want to call it. Uh, it's kind of hard to, to nitpick at it a whole lot. Mm-hmm. And so I was a, a pole vaulter and a short sprinter growing up. So pretty much the exact opposite of the 800. And so could you... Uh, I guess, say what the difference is with, with an 800 when it's, you know, a really fast race and you're, you're go, like everyone's going out for, you know, a PR versus a slower and tactical race and how, like when you realize in that, like, when do you realize, okay, this isn't going to be a race that we're going all out. This is one we're playing more tactical. Like what's the strategy difference in those two different races, you know, when you're in them? Yeah, a hundred percent. You should just, everybody should just go back and watch 2016 final and the 2021 final. Um, Cause it's exactly what you're talking about. 2016, we went out in like 49 low. We were super fast through 200. You could tell from the gun that race is going to be fast. And then you look at Tokyo and we hit, tw- we hit 200 meters and everybody just hit on the brakes. And in a fast race, you really want to be in a spot where you're running the least amount of distance possible, but you're in a comfortable position in the race and you have room to run and you don't have to like check up your stride. There's no, you know, you can just run smooth until the end of the race and then race people. Um, I like to be towards like the middle of those um, races where it's not too fast, but I'm obviously not having to come from so far behind. Uh, but when it's like a race like Tokyo, I did the complete opposite of what you should do. You should go to the front. You should help control the race or you should be in a position where you can kick from where it's going to happen. And I was in the complete back. Um, I think I was expecting in my head 
think a fast race. And then I knew that there was a chance it wouldn't be. And I just didn't run aggressive to the first 200 and force my way to the front. And I should have just forced my way to the front instead of kind of just sitting back in the back. And so that kind of cost me having any kind of success in Tokyo. Going, uh, and so you did have some, obviously being able to compete in a, a second Olympic team when, you know, most Olympians only compete in, in one, being able to, to do it two times and obviously winning the Olympic trials. I'm going to be, so I have to admit it. I was a, I was a big critic of yourself. I did not believe in you in the, in the 800 in the Olympic trials. I, I said it. I was like, don't think Clayton Murphy is going to make it. I thought they were coming in fourth. And then I saw that you won. I was like, I don't know why I didn't believe him. He, he, he made it in 2016. So I have to apologize. You proved me wrong. I didn't think you were going to get it. Uh, and so you, you obviously you won and you, you had the great picture of, I guess I'm not fighting for third. Uh, what, what was it like, you know, coming back and then, you know, winning in, in 2021 for the Olympic trials, especially after all of the, the craziness that had been going through just with the, the 2020 and, you know, the beginning of 2021 season where, you know, nobody really knows what's, what's going on. Yeah. I think uh, that's uh, to me, like making the Olympic team was what I was working for since 2016. Um, obviously world championships and diamond leagues and PRs and all that stuff is like important. But for me, like, making my second Olympic team was like what I was running for. So all of my eggs were in that basket. Um, I put everything into that, into that Olympic trials and that Olympic trials final. And um, I mean, I fought through a lot of adversity, both just the doubters and like some transition things and whatever you want to call it, but also just obviously being injured at trials and different things that were, seemed like everything was against me. <laughs> and uh, I remember I got hurt the week before trials and I was talking to my sports performance coach and he's like, He's like, you never make one easy, do you, Clayton? Like, there's nothing ever that's, like, easy for you. You always got to make it hard on yourself. And I was just like, it's just like, well, why would it be any different? Like, why would we change anything now? So, for me, um, that was, like, a really special moment. And I, I was talking about it. Like, there's not many people, like you said, who, who double back and win both, let alone make both teams. So, I think, for me, uh, looking back on it, it's, just, it's a pretty special race and, for sure, one of my favorite of my career. Yeah. And something that you, you actually you tweeted about earlier before the, the Olympic trials. And so I want to, I want to hear, um, I guess your opinion, if this is a good thing, if this is a bad thing, or just your overall view on it, but you, you said in 90 days, you got to be top three at the Olympic trials. Doesn't matter what you've done, who you are or how you do it. You just have to be top three. So to be honest, nothing else matters until Eugene in June. And so uh, obviously everyone in track and field community knows that the only thing that's important is the Olympics. Like no one else watches outside of the Olympics, which, which kind of stinks in my opinion, but could you touch on like, you know, what that means and, and why that is in, in the track world as being an athlete on the inside of it, of why really the only thing that matters is the Olympics. Um, I think it's cause it what matters on the outside. Um, I didn't know it's kind of like flipping your question back around on exactly yeah. why you said, um, but I think that's truly why, I mean, uh, our contracts are structured around Olympic bonuses, uh, Olympic success, Olympic cycles, uh, Olympic medalist has the greatest weight in this sport. Uh, Olympic bronze medalist, I feel like has carried me to a lot of things in this career. Obviously, I mean, I've, I've run well since as well, but I mean, I step on the line and I'm the Olympic bronze medalist, even though I was just a Tokyo Olympic finalist, like, uh, it's still an Olympic bronze medalist. Um, so I think that's how the world and the sport is built around, whether that's right, wrong, or indifferent, I think is, is the tough part. I think there's nothing wrong with the fact that it is built that way. Um, I think we just have to build the sport 
around the fact of that. Uh, nothing else, when I, when I tweeted that, it wasn't as much about the sport not mattering because the sport matters to us. I mean, you have a lot of opportunities to run fast, make good money, you know, establish your name as one of the best ever to do it, whatever you're trying to accomplish, um, run a PR, you know, win a race, whatever you're trying to do. For me, it was just like the selection of the team. Um, because to me, like, like I said, I put all my eggs in being an Olympian, two-time Olympian. And so, uh, I would have traded, I mean, I didn't run anything. I maybe won a race or two before, uh, trials, but I would have traded everything that I did prior to trials to make the team again. Like to me, it just, uh, no offense to any of me, no offense to American track league meets, but like, I'll take uh, last at American track league. It means I'm winning Olympic trials all day. Uh, but that's kind of where I went with that. I mean, I think if you look back on 2016, uh, had you taken a selection of people versus an actual uh, top three at a race, I probably wouldn't have been been selected. Um, so it means I wouldn't have been an Olympic medalist. If you look at this year, I probably wouldn't have been selected, which means I probably wouldn't have been an Olympic finalist or two-time Olympian. So I think for me, uh, the pure, pureness of the Olympic trials is why it's so special. Yeah, it's all about what can you put together like on this day? Like, can you be the best when it matters the most? You have the, what is it, three rounds or, or one if you're doing what the 10K? And it's who can be the biggest on this exact day. So, no, yeah, no, that's mean. how the Olympics are as well. And I think that's, I think it's a fair, a lot of people don't like it, you know. Um, there's obviously the argument for it. Everybody's like, well, why don't you just take two top two, then a third political spot or pick a spot? Um, but you don't pick the bronze medalist in, in the Olympics, you know, it's, it's what you can do on that day. So I think it's, it's the purest way to pick a team. It's the fairest way. Even if you did top two, you're always going to fight to who should be that political spot. There's always going to be an argument. There's always going to be politics. There's no clear cut way to pick somebody in this sport. You know, um, our world athletics rankings aren't really accurate. Like track and field news only comes out once a year. Like there's no real way to rank people really as super accurately unless we really manipulate some things and change the things that are currently in the system so i don't know how else they would do it but it it's it's the it's what our sport is it's our sport is purely who is the best when you race that's why we run the race there's no advantage you know it's it's how it is yeah and and if really if you take it to other sports as well like if you look at football for example it's who's the best on that day in the playoffs. Like if you win in the, if you win in the first round, you move on. If you lose, you don't. And sometimes the best teams don't make it to the Super Bowl. It happens. Sometimes the best teams do make it to the Super Bowl. And sometimes it's somewhere in between it's. And so it's, but even in, in, even in other sports, I feel like there's still two like big markets, you know, attract bigger names. You know, look at the New York Yankees, like the New York Yankees always attract the biggest names because they have, you know, the money to do it. In, in football, it's the same way. In, or in European football, it's the same way. Like the big Premier League teams are always going to attract the Messi's and the Ronaldo's and the, and the Bappe's, like the low-key teams. But in track and field, like I came out of Akron University, University of Akron, came out of a 70-person graduating class in high school three years before the Olympic trials finals, three years before the Olympic finals, and I'm meddling. David Rodisha, four years before that, was breaking the world record. So the guy staying on top of the podium was an Olympic medalist. The guy standing at the second spot of the Olympic medalist was in Olympic medicine in 2012. And in 2012, I was a, a high school junior who literally had no idea the Olympics were probably even going on. I don't remember watching the Olympics then. Like I remember, don't even remember watching track and field. So I think that's like the pureness of our sport is potentially something to really like, we should really like harness, but we're like scared to harness it. Yeah, I, there's, there's some really big names or just some exciting athletes that are coming out of 
you know, smaller schools or, or areas that you, you haven't heard of. It's not, it doesn't have to be the, the major university. It's something that I've been a, a proponent of where you don't have to go to a power five school, or you don't even have to go to division one. We've seen with some, you know, great people that have come, came out of, you know, division two, II, division three, JUCO, um, to be a, a professional athlete and, and to be successful. You can go wherever you feel most comfortable. You have good coaching that you can, you know, flourish and become, you know, a good athlete in your own right. So go, go where you feel comfortable and can give you the best chance for success for sure. Yeah, I was hundred percent. Like my, my parents went to Purdue and Ohio state. They weren't athletes, but that's where I wanted to go was Big Ten. I wanted to go to Division One. I. I wanted to go to Big School. I wanted to experience. Wanted to go to football games. I wanted to watch like basketball games. Like I wanted to go. Like I love college athletics, uh, like sports, not athletic. Just athletic people confused. But like I love college sports, and so I love going to football games. I love going to basketball games. So that's why I wanted to go somewhere that had that. But I like kind of gave that up to go to a mid major because I fit well with the coach and the team, and I like the facilities and I like the trajectory of the team itself. And so like things like that trumped, like the big mid big major schools and getting all of the gear and getting the football tickets and, and partying and wherever I was going, like was trumped by the fact that I wanted to go somewhere where I was going to be successful on the track. I felt. Yeah. It's that's the, you know, what's the most important thing to you? Is it, you know, the, the outside, the, the track stuff, is it, is it the track things like find out what's most important uh, because that's, what's going to, you know, if, if you want to just be a part of the track team and then, you know, you know, do something else, then do that. If you want to you know be successful and really focus in on this and be, be an Olympic bronze medalist or, or whatever it might be, you know, uh, focus in on, on that as well. Um, and so wanted to uh, kind of change a little, a uh, little direction. So one thing that has been a, a pretty cool to, to see develop. I know we talked about it last time uh, we chatted, but uh, you and your friendship with uh, Devin Allen, I know you, we, you came, I think what it was it a few days ago, you posted something back on the track boys podcast, like the eyes or something like your guys are coming back. Uh, first want to hear how you guys, um, how you guys met and um, the, the podcast and just kind of the, the entertainment aspect of things that you guys have been doing recently uh, off the track as well. Yeah, so we met in 2016. Well, we met, yeah, we met like prior to that, just like crossing paths. But 2016, we were suite mates in 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 Rio. Um, so we shared the same suite. So we got to know each other. Uh, it's funny he he takes credit for for uh, matching Ari and I together. Um, he claims that that was his his claim to fame because he was <laughs> friends with Ari, and then he connected us. He gave me her number or something like that. I don't know. He claims so. We'll let that one go. Uh, but we always stayed close. We stayed friends. Uh, after that, um, we played some video games together, obviously. And I was doing some streaming during COVID and um, was getting kind of into that, like media production content side of it. Uh, interviewed him through that. Um, we stayed connected. I was like, let's play some games together at some point. And then earlier this year, I was like, I think I want to start like more of like the content side of it. And I want to start a podcast. Uh, but I didn't want to just, I didn't want it myself to just to be like me and just talking and just track I just wanted it to be something a little bit more and I kind of think of like who I could start a podcast with and Devin came to mind I mean Devin's an entertaining funny dude um, that knows the sport he has connections across other sports I have connections across other sports so we kind of started track boys as kind of like we started track boys right before Drake I believe and literally before our first episode I think we had like three days of conversation about doing it so it was literally like there was like a we need a logo we need an Instagram page we need a name and like we put it out like it was so quick uh because we wanted to get it going before everything and we weren't we, we were kicking ourselves because we weren't really established enough to like carry through during the season when we we're like traveling and like 
we're kind of just like let's do an episode then like one of somebody be like oh i gotta go train there i gotta go do this and we're just like okay we gotta like table track boys until like we settle in so i think what what track boys really goal was to be was to meld track and field meld culture and like society and like hipness i guess you want to call it like whatever you want to call it and other sports we want to kind of mend all three together so that's the eventual goal uh we want to bring guests in obviously from track and field side but also from you know his his connections in football i got a couple of connections uh a few other sports as well and kind of bring them onto the podcast and meld you know athletes and performance and life and culture all together in one podcast that's kind of the end goal uh, but it just kind of got rushed for the season so it is back. There is a podcast recorded, an episode recorded. Uh, there's going to actually be one recorded here in a couple hours as well. Uh, so the Track Boys are up and rolling again, and there's a lot to come with the Track Boys podcast coming up this fall. Awesome. Uh, very much looking forward to it. Uh, can't wait. It was something I was always tabling to or listening to for, for my runs or, or lifts or, or whatever it is. So I uh, can't wait for that. Uh, something that's been that's happened in the track and field world a little bit. Um, I'm sure I'm, I think you, you probably have seen it. Uh, that's also a little bit off of it. But with with Fred Curley recently, first track and field athlete to have an, an NFT. I know you're really into uh, to the cards and collectibles. I think what Devin was really into uh, uh, crypto and stuff like that. But I don't know if you saw, um, you know, him doing that. And then obviously, you know, kind of having track athletes now break into that space where it's not just, you know, you have the standard, um, you know, sponsorships and whatever, but, you know, being into this new avenue, I don't know if you, you saw, you know, him doing that or, you know, want to get your thoughts on, you know, now having that avenue for, for track athletes. And is that breaking a wall? Could we see more, more athletes doing things like that? I think for sure. I think uh, there's a lot of opportunities. Uh, there's a lot of opportunities that I'm finishing slash pursuing slash working on right now. Um, I was trying to get through Tokyo and through this meeting on, on the ninth, the, the last track meet. And then I have a couple of things to roll out and work on as well. Um, I put a lot of work into like the YouTube side of it uh, to kind of show behind the scenes. I felt like there's a big gap in the, the behind the scenes, like uh, content space for elite and athletes. I think there's the, the, there's a group of athletes who do it um but it's a lot more of like the vlog style um I was kind of looking for more of like the instructional slash fun slash actually show what the workouts are um give tips like there's a lot of things that I have to go with that uh branches off of that when it comes to more of like the streaming side of it type um exclusiveness I'd say um I don't want to give like too much away exactly what I'm going to release but like uh like there's going to be like opportunities for like more exclusive content for more um I guess, personal side of it, connections with me beyond just like the video on YouTube, you're going to be able to connect with me um, more individually. Uh, I've been following what Fred does. I think Fred's got a lot of like huge ideas and he does a good job of like kind of putting them to. I'm personally not a big NFT guy, like the concept of it. Uh, it just doesn't really like win on me. I was like, there was anything called NBA Top Shot that came out a while ago. That's like an NFT for like NBA highlights. And I was like on it from like day one and then I could never get myself sold on it. And I probably lost out on like tens of twenties of thirties of thousands of dollars. Cause I didn't invest in it from the start because I couldn't sell myself on the fact of like a YouTube highlight could like sell for like 10 K. Like I just couldn't get wrap my mind around it. Uh, so I'm probably going to pursue something along the lines of an NFT where it's like a limited edition thing, but it's not going to necessarily be like 
an actual NFT just because I can't sell myself on an NFT. How am I going to sell somebody else on an NFT? But like it's there. Um, the opportunities are there for sure. Yeah. It's awesome seeing more, more and more athletes getting just the brand recognition and, and having, you know, bigger, you know, more money in the pool and making things more exciting for, for everyone out, everyone to know, like having Clayton Murphy become a bigger name, obviously great for, for everyone. So that's something that's exciting. Uh, wanted to finish off here, had a few uh, fan questions that people wanted to know. Uh, so first one we got from MJP TV zero shout out, Matt, uh, is the 800 meters a sprint? Yes. I'll leave it at that. Yes. yes. All right. Is a sprint. You got to train like a distance runner. There you go. All right. You heard it here. I know you've, you've talked about it a few times. Is it harder? Is it easier or harder than the 400? I know obviously the 400 gets a lot of, uh, you know, no, it's crown harder. jewel. It's harder. It's harder. harder. Yeah. I think the, I've run obviously a lot of four by fours, a lot of 400s. The immediate pain after or the last 20 meters is similar, but the 800 pain when you really go to like the depths, like from the backstretch to the finish line is obviously way harder than the backstretch to the finish line of the four. But like 30 seconds to like 15 minutes after an 800 is like, if you really go to the well is the worst pain of like anything. So you don't get that in any other event. Yeah, I, I still can't comprehend how people can run sub two minutes. I, I can struggle to do the one. That's hard enough. All right, moving on. So uh, this is from I am Luke Jones. Uh, what is your weekly training schedule looking like? Obviously, track and field training schedules differ. And like you mentioned, you've kind of talked about a few of those in your YouTube videos. But uh, could I guess could you say, um, you know, what what's your weekly training schedule looked like this past week, I suppose? Well, this past week was like, it, I was in between meets. So I only did one workout and then a little tune up here. Um, so I would say like the average week of like non-competition season is like long run. Um, what's called day one's a long run. And then I'll take day two as an easy day. Day three would be some type of track workout. Uh, day what, four and five are easy days. Day six would be some other kind of track workout. And day seven would be an easy day. So that's kind of the structure of running. Um, obviously, tempo runs, speed workouts, middle distance, track sessions, mile repeats all kind of fluctuate in and out of those track workouts. Uh, I'm around 60 miles a week. A lot of people ask that 60 miles, give or take per week. And then I'm usually in the gym legitimately lifting probably uh, this season. I was in there probably three ish times a week. Uh, and usually another two days I'm in there doing core mobility lighter strength work, speed work. Uh, uh, a lot of people saw like I was doing a lot of like sprint stuff in the gym this year compared to the years past. So uh, I was probably in the gym like five times on average a week um, in the off season slash build up part of the season. So that's kind of a more like structured part. When you get into race season, it's as a distance runner, it's literally like it changes every day because you're literally just like doing it off feel when you get into these meet situations where you're going from meet to meet to meet because you're traveling some days, some days you feel great, some days you feel bad. Like like today I went out for a run and I was like, I need to go anywhere from 48 miles. And I went five and a half because that's where I felt was I was comfortable at. I felt good, but I didn't feel the need to get in a full eight, like just kind of running off field at this point in the season. There you go. For sure. And uh, last one that we got for you here, uh, Ethan Archie wants to know, uh, what was your first feeling after winning the uh, U.S. Olympic trials? Man, I just felt like relieved slash like this is a big weight off my shoulders. I put a lot of pressure on myself. Uh, there was a lot of obstacles I overcame with injury and, and different things like that going into the trials. So 
I just felt like it was a big relief off my shoulders. There was a, the team around me is huge from like my wife to my coach, to my therapist, to my strength coach, uh, sports performance coach. Like there's a, there's about 67 of us that, that put in a lot of hours and sacrifices for what I do on the track and to be able to achieve that in front of, in front of them and, and be able to, you know, celebrate with them post post race was, was special. Yeah. That's, uh, it was, must've been a, a great feeling and the medal also pretty sick. Like that's probably one of my cool, one of my favorite looking medals, just the way that they, they have the, uh, the Olympic trials one. Uh, so, uh, definitely, uh, yeah, for sure. For yeah, sure. Look, looks pretty cool. And la- last question for you here. Uh, what are you most looking forward to in the off season? And don't just say, Oh, just resting. Like, are you, do you have any, any, any plans to go anywhere or, uh, like what, 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 what are you most looking forward to, uh, this, this off season here, man, we have, I feel like something planned like every weekend, like we got, like, I think I get home on the 12th. We've got like a concert on the 17th. We've got a concert on the 22nd. We've got a big Disney trip planned with one of our family friends in November. We've got a trip to Dallas to see her family, um, and go to a sports card show in October. We've got, uh we've got like a house party lined up for a bunch of our friends to come that from the wedding that we haven't seen in a while to come in october uh shoot we've got like ohio state games lined up to go to Bengals games lined up to go to uh so i'm i'm excited to to be able to do all of these things and celebrate uh the season with ari and, and do nothing and, and drink some glasses of wine and, and relax Awesome. Sounds like it's going to be an action-packed uh, all-season for you. Um, well, best of luck for this upcoming uh, final. Cause that's, I guess by the time this comes up, it's actually going to have already happened. So hopefully congratulations, I guess, when, when this comes out. <laughs> but um, thank you so much, Clayton, for, for doing this. Really appreciate it. Um, where could people go if they wanted to follow more about you on social media, YouTube, any, anything like that? Yeah, uh, Instagram's Clayton Murphy. That's like where I'm the most active at. YouTube, uh, you just search Clayton Murphy, my channel comes up. Uh, those are the two most active places for me. Um, and then, like I said, there's going to be a lot more coming. Obviously, I'm on Twitter and stuff like that. Uh, those are the two most active places, and there's a lot coming up with those two channels going into into the off season with my website and different things like that as well. So uh, a lot still to come, but those are the two places. Awesome. Well, uh, Clayton, thank you so much for doing this. Really appreciate it. And uh, thank you to everyone who's been listening. This has been another episode of Track World News. Uh, If you're interested, follow us on Instagram at Track World News. We post a bunch of content, clips, news, news highlights, stuff like that. Um, Also, make sure you leave us a follow, subscribe, leave a review. Really helps us know you're enjoying the content. Um, Have a good one. We'll talk to you soon. Peace.